Hi, this is Stephen Halasnik. For those of you who are used to uh, hearing the introduction music, uh, you know, we had a snafu just now. And uh, uh, for the podcast, uh, I seem to have lost it. So we are just going to jump right into it. Uh, hello, this welcome to the Entrepreneur MBA podcast. My name is Stephen Halasnik. And for those of you who do not know me, I am co-founder of Financing Solutions, Financing Solution provides easy to set up lines of credit for small businesses, and I will be your host as I usually am for the past six years in the Entrepreneur MBA podcast. If you're interested in learning more about a business line of credit, which is what Financing Solutions does, please visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. As far as uh, introduction about myself, for those of you who don't know me, over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million per revenue range per year. And two of those companies have made the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience. And today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Chris Miles from Money Ripples. Before we get to Chris, just uh, talk about today's um, sponsor. It's a TMG, as in Technology Management Group. They uh, specialize in uh, security, uh, or as, is, as in cybersecurity. Um, they've been doing it for 30 years. And um, if you haven't gotten hit by cybersecurity, you consider yourselves very lucky. Uh, if you have gotten hit by cybersecurity, you know that you have to have a, a plan in place. And they would be a good company to call regardless if you have a question, if you're looking to outsource something, if you're looking for software. And they can be reached. Take a look at their website at cybercTRL.net. Again, that's cyber, S-Y-B-E-R-C-T-R-L.net. Uh, I'd like to welcome Chris Miles. Chris is the cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. He is a leading authority teaching entrepreneurs and professionals how to get their money working for them today. He's an author, podcast host of the Money Ripples podcast, has been featured in the U.S. News, CNN Money, Entrepreneurs on Fire, Bigger Pockets, and has proven has a proven reputation with his company, Money Ripples, for getting his clients fast financial results. In fact, his personal clients have increased their cash flow by over $300 million in the last 13 years. Chris, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I really like today's topic. You know, a lot of times when people um, sign up to be on the podcast, um, you know, there's certain topics that I know are going to be really, really valuable for our listeners to listen to, um, especially because like since I've been through almost now 30 years of, of running a, a, a business, there are certain things that I just know um, – are really, really important that I think entrepreneurs often overlook. So, you know, today's topic is going to be about why every business owner needs passive income, you know, um, just to kind of give everybody a, a heads up. So for one of my companies that, that I had, my, my second one, Expert Seeker, um, we did really, really well at that company. I said, we, I, that one I owned myself. I didn't have a partner. Uh, whereas Financing Solutions, I have a partner. And um, we did so well that I ended up buying uh, a very large office building and ended up um, you know, uh, uh, renting out 
75% of it and keeping 25% of it for my companies. And I still have that uh, building 20 years later. And of course, it throws off uh, income for me. And it's, you know, it's been great. It's been great. And um, I didn't realize, I think I did know, but um, I realized how, I didn't realize how important it would become later on because, you know, I was able to leverage the building, um, you know, to, to have a, a line of credit for my own, myself, which I've almost, almost always, or for the business, which I've almost always have. So that's a good example of something that, that really has helped. And um, before we even get into uh, Chris talking a little bit about it, uh, his, you know, his philosophy, um, I, I, would, I would say that my philosophy as an entrepreneur is if you, your, your objective as an entrepreneur should be to build your net worth, that is your goal. If you are not building your net worth, then you have a job. You do not have a business. And, and as part of building a net worth is, I believe, having passive income as well. So, so Chris, would you agree with what I said? Absolutely. I mean, net worth is just a reflection of what happens on your income statement, right? As you have more profit, you capture those profits, you grow, you know, your wealth grows. You, know, you just take that money, even if it goes in a savings account, you still just grew your assets, which grows your net worth. Well, and all, right. And just to correct on your balance sheet, you're talking about, right? And right. not your income so, statement. Well, the income right. statement, the profit from the income statement that goes to the balance sheet, that flow. Correct. Through, right? Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'll say this, I mean, but net worth uh, sometimes gets overly uh, dramatized a little bit, like almost overestimated because net worth to me is also worthless if it doesn't do what you had just said, which is create income, right? Because you can have all the True. net worth in the world, but if it doesn't actually create any income, it's, it's not any good to you. Um, I see this a lot of times with a lot of our kind of our poster children clients. Well, really they're not our poster children, but they become a lot of our clients. They're more like Dave Ramsey poster children, right? Um, you know, Dave Ramsey is always big about, you know, no debt, right? Um, being debt free and, uh, you know, live on a budget and throw away your money into the stock market and then you should have enough. And then I'll get these people that show up to me and they'll, they could be worth 3 million or so net worth, but they can't stop working because that net worth doesn't actually generate any income for them. And I think that's the big key difference is that you build that net worth that also kicks off income. And then that's when you start to experience freedom. Like, no other where where so so if their net worth is three million then are, are they cash poor is that the issue uh they're, what, they're actually cash rich um but income poor right oh i mean when i mean cash rich they're asset rich cash poor meaning cash flow poor so so they have all their money trapped in equity in their house right the equity doesn't pay them anything they have all their money trapped in in their mutual funds and and 401ks and iras which again, that doesn't really pay you anything, you know, like they might pay dividends, they might pay some returns here and there, but they could also lose money, right? So they, they've been told, that's the thing, when it comes to money, especially in the personal finance world, which is funny because they teach it differently than in the business world, which I think the business finance world can be applied to the personal world much better. And what they teach in the personal finance world is lock all your money away, throw it into things like your, your house to pay it off free and clear, right? And throw your money into the stock market, which is a business owner, stupid. Why would I invest in other people's companies instead of my own, right? But they tell you to throw your money in that and lock it away, set it and forget it as you hear them say all the time. 
And then hopefully someday you might be able to pull out less than the interest, right? They'll tell you to pull out no more than 3% of whatever you have in there, where that's very different from more of a cash flow passive income type model, which is, hey, can I have that generating a certain income return much higher than 3%? Yeah, I mean, so would you, uh, I've, I've, I've known people, I know one person who does it and I certainly know someone, do you think it's a good idea for someone to pay off their mortgage? It depends on the person. Um, I teach, a, I teach concepts around stewardship, especially when it comes to money, because there's really three different types of, of mentalities with money. Uh, the first two are the most common, which is there's a spender, which we all know. They spend money, right? It's easy come, easy go. Uh, and they're always hustling to create more income to spend the money that they have. But the other one that's also in scarcity that never becomes financially free is the saver. The saver is the one that's a, always rewarded publicly by the financial advisors and the experts of the world, right? They're the ones that say, hey, I'm going to pay off all my debt. I'm going to pay off my mortgage. I'm going to go in and I'm going to you know, stuff my money and accumulate it. So then someday I can live off of it if I'm alive at that point. Um, and they're always, but they, they always get to this point where they never feel like it's enough. They can never save enough to ever feel comfortable. Where the steward, the steward actually, especially if they're a business owner, they actually come out the winner because stewards realize that money is meant to be used. So they take the best of the spender and the saver and they put it into one because the spenders, at least are willing to use money. That's the one thing that savers don't do is that they sit on their cash and they never ever want to use it. And therefore they die. They might die with a good net worth, but they die broke, if that makes sense, right? Um, where the spender, the problem is they, they aren't wise with their money, so they just blow it. But a steward knows how to use their money to grow it and enhance it, just like in business, right? If you are a wise steward of your business, it will grow and expand. It will generate not just income for you. It'll create jobs and employment. It'll create massive value for your customers or clients. It's really creating what I think is like the ideal world, which is you're out there creating value. That is what a steward does. And when they use money, they use it in a way that allows it to amplify, to multiply and become more. That's what a steward does. So um, when it comes to the sense, when you say, you know, should you pay off a mortgage or not? Well, it depends because if you're a spender, you should pay off the mortgage because you're just going to blow it anyways. Right. So <laughs> you, you never, you never want to be the person like I never want to be the person to tell a spender, you know what? You should cash out equity for your mortgage to go and invest in your business or go and invest into, you know, even like into in investments or whatnot, because they will probably gamble it and blow it, right? They just won't use it wisely. They'll find a way to spend it. But the savers also can't do it either, because if you try to tell them to have a mortgage, they'll freak out because they don't want to owe anybody money. In fact, that's the trap they get caught in because even when they become debt-free, and again, these are the Dave Ramsey poster children, right? They become debt-free. They still feel trapped because it wasn't the debt they were afraid of. They were afraid of the payment. They were afraid of owing somebody money each and every month. Well, guess what? You're going to have to do that for the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. Because guess what? I don't make my own toilet paper and I still have to pay for that each and every month, right? I still have to pay for stuff. You know, that's the thing is that people don't realize that the only way to not pay for anything is to get rid of everything of value in your life and pretty much live out off the grid and just be on your own. That's the way to stay expense free. So those savers, they never become free and having a mortgage just freaks them out. But a steward realizes that they're going to be wise with that money. They're going to be a wise steward with it. They're going to use that money only if it creates more value, if it creates something greater than what it would cost them. So for example, if I can borrow money, even in today's rates, 
let's just say I get a home equity line of credit at 9% right now. If I know I can make more than the payment, that's worthwhile. So like when I got my first SBA loan in my business, it was 25,000 bucks. I remember the payment and it was a little bit, I mean, it's not as high as it is today, but it's higher than it was just a year ago. Um, I had this loan from almost 20 years ago now. It was like at six and a half percent. Well, my payment was like 135 bucks a month for 25,000 bucks. If as a, as a business owner, if I can't take 25,000 and turn it to more than 135 bucks, I shouldn't be in business, right? Ideally you take 25,000, you make thousands a month that, which is what I did. So for me, that quote unquote debt was a wise, that was actually wise. You know, that was something that worked for me. But again, if somebody goes and blows it, they're just gamblers. They just gamble it and throw it illegally in the stock market because you're not supposed to use debt in the stock market. Bad idea, right? Um, I even use debt to go buy properties. I love using debt for that reason. But again, I'm a wise steward. And by the way, if debt were so evil, why do banks have so much of it? You know, I, I find it interesting that people like financial advisors, even guys like Dave Ramsey, I keep picking on him because he's kind of the bigger figurehead when it comes to this philosophy. But he's always the one saying, no, no, no. You know, you got to put your money with financial institutions. Yeah, the banks. Well, what are the banks doing? Well, they're borrowing money from you by paying you interest for your savings account or for that CD. You get a five-year CD and you get a whopping 3%, and then they turn around and loan it to you in a five-year auto loan at 7%. They just made more than double the income, more than double the returns off of you from doing that very thing. But again, they know how to use, make it work. You just have to learn how to become the bank yourself and let the money work for you. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the key is to... <laughs> I guess the worst person that's out there, that's not the right way of putting it, but the worst strategy is having no strategy, Yeah. right? Rather you're a, uh, you know, I think there's, there's, I don't, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. I think there's another way of saying a spender. It's also someone that I see who's like a, who, who, who looks at the revenue side of things and says, I can make the money, mm -hmm. but yet I also spend the money really quickly. So that would be, you know, equivalent to what you're saying about a spender, right? Mm -hmm. So like my background before I started my businesses was in sales. So salespeople are never savers, right. okay? Now, they're always, I can make more money. I can make more money. I can make more money, right? And so... Um, uh, but it just happens to be lucky with me, which, which was, I happen to be really good at, I don't have a lot of really super expensive tastes, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have super expensive cars. I don't have super expensive jewelry. Um, you know, I didn't, um, uh, buy an expensive home until I felt I could really kind of afford it. Um, you know, so, you know, the Delta, between what I made and what I spent was not, you know, was, I, I did not spend a lot of money in that yeah, sense. There's a big delta you know? there. Yeah. But it wasn't like, I, I'm not, I am by far not frugal. Okay. And that's fine. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's worked for me. So, um, but the, I think, I think the thing is, is you, you got to have a plan. And if your plan is, if, is, if you don't have a plan and you are spending the amount of money, the same amount of money that you're making, Mm -hmm. That is not a good plan. That's if right. you are if you are trying to save pennies, that's not a good plan, mm -hmm. right? That means that you don't have enough revenue. 
coming in and you're saving, you're saving pennies. And I, you know, and I really see, and I don't know if you see this too as well, Chris, but um, do you, I see a lot of people who are extremely cheap, right? And they do not spend money. And I think it, it is a huge, it holds them back from mm-hmm. s- success. All right. Do you, do you see that too? Is that, is that wrong of me to think that way? No, that's, that's the saver mentality right there, right? They are scared to spend money, right? Especially when they're in scarcity. The steward is, again, willing to be wise with the money, but they're willing to use money, right? They're willing to use it to do something better with it. And that's, and that's true. Like I, I see a lot of savers, and, and I was raised that way. Uh, my dad was the ultimate cheap, penny-pinching saver. I mean, he's the kind of guy that... He wouldn't just not tip if he got bad service at a restaurant. He would actually steal dishes from that restaurant if he got bad service. I mean, that's how cheap this guy is. I mean, he would Man. buy everything on sale, case lots of Mrs. Butterworth syrup. Didn't matter that he couldn't consume it in 20 years. He still keeps it on the shelf because he bought it on sale, right? He doesn't want to waste money. He is like the ultimate depression era mentality man, you know? Um, he lived that kind of scarcity. Now, he still enjoyed some things, but he it was very, very little. Right. He was, and that's the thing that, that shocked me. See, I wasn't raised, you know, I was raised more about money being a scarce thing. We can't afford this. Money doesn't grow in trees. You know, what do you think I am made of money? You know, those are the kind of things I was raised with. Well, as an adult, that's why I became a business owner because my initial career goal was to become a business consultant. I said, I don't want to become like my dad. I want to become a business consultant, help people out, walk out of the big fat check and control my own time, my own destiny and my own income. Right. Well, the whole reason I became an entrepreneur is because is I figured, well, if I'm going to become a business consultant, rather than just getting a, a dumb MBA, right? I'm not saying it's dumb if you have an MBA, but just getting simply just getting an MBA, having book smarts, I should have real life street experience too. So I actually dropped out of college and said, let's, let's see what kind of business I can start. And the first one that came up that intrigued me a little bit was becoming a financial advisor. That's how I became the traditional financial advisor before, right? Well, I didn't know this at the time. I didn't realize that, you know, they would take everybody off the street. As long as you could pass a test with 70% and not have a criminal record, you're in. And, uh, and then of course, if you can sell, then you'll survive past the first year or two, you know, and I was commission only and I wasn't a good salesperson. I'll tell you that I had to hold a full-time job down while trying to build that up on the side. But over time, you know, after being at it for several years, went full-time to do that. I remember my dad said, when are you going to sit down with me and be my financial advisor? And so I sat down with him and never saw his money before. And remember, he was the penny-pinching saver. He had paid off his house early. He was debt-free. He had stuffed the money in his 401k. I expected to see, all right, we're going to get you retired. I opened up his books, and what do I find out? I said, Dad, listen, you're 61 years old. If you want to retire today, you better hope you die in five years because that's how long it'll be before you run out of money. You know, Even at his life, his, his frugal lifestyle. He would say frugal. I would say cheap, right? And, uh, and that's when I realized there was something wrong because it wasn't just him. When I started to look at everybody else, I realized, wait, I'm just selling a pipe dream from this traditional financial philosophy that they tell you that's really over-promise, under-deliver, which is, hey, someday you'll have enough to retire and all this kind of stuff. But even Fidelity, their numbers coming out and only one and a half percent of their clients actually have over a million dollars in their 401ks and IRAs. You know, and then you're supposed to live on 3% of a million dollars. That's 30,000 a year. It's, it's dumb. This is why... You look at the, 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 really the Forbes top list, right? Of the richest people in the world, all of them have a business, you know, 
that's that's the key difference that the business owners are the ones that actually create wealth those that even have real assets like real estate create wealth those that stuff money in their 401ks are end up retiring broke and uh and when i saw that and i realized that even the financial advisors none of them could retire and i find that out every year when i go to a financial advisor conference even though i'm an anti-financial advisor now i'm not an official financial advisor every year i go to the conference there's always one financial advisor that makes millions a year will pull me off the side and say hey how can I retire like you did? Because I can't do it, right? If financial advisors can't retire, you should see there's a problem. And so all of our financial education is coming from that. And so even like my dad, again, the super saver, right? Penny pinching super saver. If he couldn't become free, I don't expect anybody else to really do it either. And I've, I've yet to see somebody really be cheap and save their way to true wealth where they don't worry about money. They might get to retirement. They might be able to make ends meet but they never feel like they have real freedom. That's the difference. So, uh, you know, our listeners are all business owners that are listening, right? Um, they're all usually smaller business owners. Um, you know, the objective of this podcast is to help everybody get over 10 million in revenues because that's when usually when, uh, when once you've done 10 million, you're running a pretty good company um, and you get looked at to be bought. That's usually, that's because people I know you have some scale. So, so I like, I'll, I'll not, that, not that I'm going to play devil's advocate here, but you said Please something like, like, well, uh, yeah, I'm not suggesting that I just, it's my scenario. And that is, you know, with extra money coming out. Okay. I, my businesses right now, which I have three are running so well that if I have, our, our marketing down, we have our, our model down, we have our expenses uh, appropriately, uh, that if I were to take the money that the businesses throw off and throw it back into the business, I would be wasting money because there yes. is an optimum level of, uh, of marketing dollars spent versus um, uh, uh, revenue and, and net profit coming in. So I, I would, I wouldn't, there would not be a exponential effect. Okay. Right. And, and I, I can't get, I don't want to get to the details because we don't have time and also it's proprietary. But um, so if you have businesses that are like that, which is a lot of what our listeners are, are have probably a quality of life businesses that are throwing off enough income that they have a, they're growing their net worth but it's not really, you know, it's not worth putting it back into the business. What would you advise somebody like that to do? Yeah, that's where and you're absolutely right. I mean, the profit is key, right? And you definitely don't want the all victims to the law of diminishing returns where you keep trying to put more money in, but then your returns go down. Right. As a steward, you want the best returns of your money, right? So when you could take those profits and, and I even know like Mike McCallowitz, he talks about profit first, you know, I had him on my show too. I mean, Taking so, you know, I, I rent to Mike McCallowitz. You, you what? I rent to Mike McCallowitz. <laughs> His business is in one, one of my buildings. Oh, that's so, awesome. I love yeah, it. he's a good friend too. Small world. So, yeah. Yeah. So, like, uh, so yeah, I mean, like, I remember he was, uh, you know, talking to one of the mastermind groups I'm a part of at one point, and he was saying, he's like, guys, like, if you're always reinvesting your business, are you profitable? And guys are like, yeah. He's like, no, you're not. If you're always reinvesting money, you are not profitable. You are just spending money. He's like, I don't care if you become, if you get that to a hundred million dollars a year, if you can't take home money, 
doesn't matter. It's like you as a CEO should be the highest paid employee of your company. And I believe that to be true. And so profit is the key. You got to be taking that money, using that elsewhere. And I, where I use that is that's where I buy alternative investments, things like real estate investing and things like that. Um, in fact, I really believe that, and I, I tell you this from, I mean, just with the different mastermind groups, I mean, we're all seven, eight, nine figure business owners, you know? And the thing is, I see guys all the time. I'd probably say at least 80 or 90% of these guys, if their business were to shut down today, they'd be as broke as everybody else because they don't have any other income streams besides that business. So they're multimillionaires. Great. Good job. You're even multi-decamillionaire. Congratulations. But if you don't have passive income coming in, you're broke. You're really just broke. And with what happened in 2020 with them telling you if you're a non-essential business or not, all that kind of crap, we know that that could happen again. And that's where you need those other streams of income outside of your business coming in so that you know that when you show up to the office or virtually like I do, you know, when you're showing up, you show up out of, out of choice, not out of necessity, right? You show up there because you're like, Hey, I'm working here because I love it. Not because I need the paycheck. That's the key. And so that's where I buy into other investments. Like, and I don't just buy real estate, like where I manage it because you don't want anything that takes your eye off the ball. Your, your real economic engine is still your business. That should be your number one investment. So when you get other investments, Get investments that don't take your time and attention away, that they're just really, you can be more hands-off. doesn't mean you're not a steward. It doesn't mean you're not managing your money, but more hands-off. So if I buy a real estate property, I actually use a turnkey company to help me buy it, where they can be anywhere in the country. They help me find the property. I already know the numbers of the rent I'm going to make before I buy it. They even help me get the renters. They property manage it for me. They do all the work. I just have to buy it. Like That's the kind of property I would buy. And I, I yeah. still buy. Um, I also lend out money to investors, you know, because I can get paid 10, 12 plus percent a year lending my money out to investors, you know. So if I have even a million bucks, make one, you know, 1% a month or 12% a year, that's kicking off 10 grand a year of passive income right there. I do no work for. Again, there has to be that level of trust and you have to be able to know that this person's a legit, you know, but there's a lot of things to do there. Oil and gas is another one I've done too, you know, where, um, I can get paid on the rent of the land because oil companies don't want to own the land. They just want to lease it. So you rent the land to them, you lease it to them, and then you get pay, cut in on the royalties too. So you get some of that business income coming in along with the rental income at the same time, you kind of double dip. You know, um, I even raw land, I have some partners where they do all the raw land, they buy it and then they sell it to, to other people. And then those people will pay us back like the bank. They'll charge interest. So I'm basically like the mortgage company in a sense. I'm getting paid income streams. You know, I had a quarter million invested by a year and a half ago. That's now kicking off 7,500 a month, you know? So that's the kind of stuff that you can do outside of your business. But again, I'm, I'm not the one going into the weeds. I'm not finding renters. I'm not even dealing with all the issues. I'm have other people doing it for me that are proven track records. have been in the business for at least 15 plus years in that specific thing. They got a great track record doing it. And uh, it doesn't mean it's guaranteed, but uh, I know that a lot of times, especially if I get real assets that I know I have ownership in and control, even if those people fail, at least I have something that still has value versus a stock. Like if I go buy some crappy Tesla stock, which is overinflated by only a hundred times its value, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have any control there, right? Where I have actual assets, real assets, I have more control. And that's what I like to see. Cause I want that peace of mind when I'm dealing still in my business. Yeah. I, um, 
You know, just uh, from a book standpoint that I had read a long time ago, uh, you know, it's pretty famous in regards to passive income. Um, uh, rich Dad, Poor Dad, What the Rich Teach Their Children About Money by Robert Kalbioski. Um, and it's a great book to read. And, you know, it reinforces what Chris is saying. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I read that book after I, I bought my, my building as far as passive income. But, you know, keeping uh, like financing solutions is 12 years old. My business is a partner and I both have had multiple businesses on our own. And just to give you an idea, as far as passive income goes, we, we, you know, with financing solutions, both my business partner and I have been through three recessions over 30 years. And so we looked, um, once we started financing solutions, uh, you know, about five years into it, we looked at starting another business, which has been very successful, uh, uh, a, a, it's called elite funeral funding, which buys life insurance policies, and um, uh, and uh, to to counteract if financing solutions has a downturn, then the other uh, then the other business w would you know continue to be steady, um, and it's worked where they've both been steady, but. Um, but uh, so, you know, there's a variety of ways of looking at this. And I think that the first thing you want to walk away with, which is what Chris is saying is, you know, you want to look at passive income. Now, listen, the first thing you need to do is, and Chris, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you want to have a good business, right? Absolutely. If your business isn't doing well, you can't start thinking about passive income, right? Um, you need to kind of, you got to have income to have passive income, Right. So, um, or you got to be building up really a delta of net worth or whatever cash so that you can do something with it. And, you know, it, right. I mean, is that fair to say, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. Right? That's, that's one thing yeah. I say when you're in the early stages, that's, that becomes your investment, right? You're putting yes. a lot of your time, energy and money into that. But yep. once you get to that point of stabilization and you start to take some profit, you just make sure you get to that point rather than, like we said, don't always keep reinvesting money where you never have profit and then you're stuck in your own rat race as a business owner. Yeah. And I mean, the, 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 one of the bigger takeaways from uh, Robert Kalbiowski's book wasn't just about passive income. It was, it was about the, the idea that the outside of your mortgage, the next highest expense you have is your taxes. The taxes right. you pay. So you need to have a tax strategy. And, you know, it was one of the key reasons why I bought that building. It, mm -hmm. was, uh, it was a tax strategy. It wasn't a passive income strategy at the time. It was a tax strategy at that time. So that, that you know, that was a, that's a really good read. It's been a long time since I've read it. Uh, again, I'm not going to read it now, but, uh, but it, it's a really good book. So um, let me ask you this. When you transitioned to the idea that you, you knew you're a business owner and you're like, I need to have passive income. Right. And now you're telling us about oil and gas fields and, and, you know, some other alternative investments. H how did you start identifying those other alternative investments that you thought, mm, you know, I, this looks good or what, how'd you get there? It took, it took a good, it's really been almost 20 years, right? I mean, 2006, yeah. when the, the world was opened up to me, I basically, essentially took the matrix red pill, right? And, you know, woke up. Um, I, one of the guys I trained to be a financial advisor left to go do real estate investing. He kind of got me into that world. That's when I realized there was people borrowing money, you know, for 1%, 2% a month. I thought, what? 
are you kidding me? Like, I've never even heard of this. Because again, as a financial advisor, you're, you're not really, you're not licensed to become a financial expert. You're licensed to sell. And you're only really licensed to sell mutual funds, annuities, life insurances, those kind of things, right? That's all you really are. You're told in that world. You have these blinders put on you. But all of a sudden, I see there's this whole other world. It was a, it was a shock. And, um, and so for me, it happened over time. It, didn't, it definitely wasn't overnight. I built up my network. Um, I, I'm even at, like I mentioned, like different masterminds or groups where there's other investors and we come together. And I've noticed that birds of a feather flock together. I tend to like to find the people that are sometimes not always like the best marketers, which I, I like. I don't like the people that are always the biggest operations. I like to know the people that are honest, down home, like they got strong integrity. They will, they will sell off everything before they lose their investors' money. Those are the people I like to find. And so that's kind of how I've done it. I just built it up over the last really 15 to 20 years, built up this network to where I have them today. And, and that's where a lot of my clients get benefits too when they're you know, members with us that way where we can introduce them to some of those same people that I've even put money with. Yeah. And I think it comes down to like, when you get to the point where you are and where you, you know, we were looking for new things, what you're looking for is it's, you know, I'll use my word and my words. And that is a Delta. That is where can I take money that I borrow from somebody else and, and invest it. And there's a Delta there of 3%, 5%, 7%, whatever it is then it's a no brainer, mm -hmm. you know, in, in essence, unless there's a downturn or whatever, but you got to take that into account too. It's not always, you know, roses out there. So, um, so, and I think that's what I, you know, I, I know a number of people who are like you, who were, where what they're looking is, or they're, they're always just looking for that. What, where can I get a Delta? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think that's where you, where you kind of, uh, get into which is a really good businessman. What's the, I'll tell you what's really nice about that. You don't need you, know, you don't need a lot of employees, <laughs> which is really That's really right. nice, right? Um, you know, I don't uh, the business. One of the things that my business partner and I did when we started our, our businesses, we uh, you know one of the key criteria was we didn't want a lot of employees. You know, so we had been down that path before, and uh, and you know my company's now run with you know very a very very small staff. So it's, it's really good. Um, I, I want to ask you one last question. And that is when pre people bring you on as a coach, why are they bring you on? Yeah. I mean, you talked about Kiyosaki's book, rich dad, poor dad, right? They read it and say, all right, I want passive income. How do I do it? I mean, there's, here's the problem I have with passive income, quote unquote, right? You hear people talk about passive income and you get this wide variety of scam artists out there, you know, just a bunch of charlatans. Like, for example, you know, uh, I, I saw somebody that was advertising passive income the other day and I was like, oh, well, let's see what it is. It was on social media, right? I look it up. It's nothing but pass. It's not passive at all. It's actually going and flipping real estate properties, like going, yes. buying, renovating, selling them. Like there's nothing passive about that. That is an active business, not yeah. passive at all. Uh, even worse, when you got people that are saying like, well, yeah, do the Amazon dropship business. Okay, there's nothing passive about it. And not to mention the trends are kind of shifting. You know, the way, There's more headwinds against it now, right? So people are realizing, I think people are skeptical when they hear passive income. Yeah, when it's I true. Talk about it, I really mean it's got to be passive. You know, So when they hire us, they want to know. They said, one, I need somebody that can 
look at this like a financial advisor, even though we're not, we're not investment advisors or financial advisors officially. Um, I dropped those licenses almost 20 years ago on purpose because they suck. Um, I don't want to sell those things, but they want to hire us as consultants to say, listen, can you look at my situation? Can you, like you identified taxes, are there ways we can reduce that? Great. I got CPAs. I bet you we can save you at least five, 10, 20 grand a year in taxes, if not more. You know, can we do this? You know, can, are there ways we can pay off debt better or do this? How we take your cash and get to work better? And what kind of investments would be best for you? It would work for you. And where are these people that we vetted that you could talk to that might fit within your goals, right? Because everything's based on that customized plan. And that's really what people are doing. They're like, they want something that's customized to them. They want somebody who's not going to earn commissions because they try to pitch them products, you know, like financial advisors do. They want somebody who can give them kind of this. I wouldn't say unbiased approach, but at least non attached approach to helping them connect them with the right, right deal. So they don't have to spend all their time and waste all that time doing that, spending years like I did doing it. It's really kind of spoon fed to them. And then they can talk to us because we're in their corner. They hire us as consultants to see, is this really good for me or not? And, and that's, and people get results. Like, like you mentioned before, I mean, over $300 million in the last 13 years, a lot of that's just freeing up cash flow, like tax savings, but that's also including passive income that grows each and every year. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you with the idea most people think of passive income as, is, um, uh, real estate or flipping or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think, you know, the thing, one of the takeaways I'm getting out of this for my, even myself is, um, think outside of the box outside of that. Yes. You know, so what else can there be to be passive income? Um, that is outside of real estate, so to speak, that that's a challenge, I think, you know, to find Absolutely. something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Good. All right, Chris. Well, I learned a lot. You kind of reintroduced me to the idea that maybe I should be looking a little bit closer at, at um, some more passive income ideas for myself. And um, so it was a, a, it was a good podcast, which I really thought I was, uh, what, what we were going to have today, I thought was going to be very interesting. So I'd like to thank very much Chris Miles from Money Ripples for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Please also give us a five-star review if you like today's podcast or, or any of our other podcasts. It really helps us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can give us a call at 862-207-4118. Or visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Chris, if you if people want to get a hold of you, how will they go about doing that? Really simple. You can either go to moneyripples.com. There's plenty of great stuff on there. And by the way, you can actually use a calculator that can tell you how much passive income you can create in the next 12 months on that. You can try out for free. And you can also follow our podcast, Money Ripples Podcast, on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you consume podcasts. Good. Well, thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much. Yeah. So just to wrap it up, um, you know, again, I, I kind of give my summary of what my takeaway was, but I think, you know, if, if you're really starting to generate money for your business, uh, at your business, then you can kind of look at, you know, passive income as your next strategy again. So other than that, everybody have a great day. And thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur MBA podcast. See you later. Thanks.